0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us. So there's been quite a lot of breaking news in the TV talk show universe this week. Sixteen current and former staff members of The Tonight Show spoke out to Rolling Stone Magazine about host Jimmy Fallon's alleged erratic and toxic behavior. Drew Barrymore is under fire for reviving her daytime talk show amid the WGA and SAG strikes. And what is the state of late night in general? Are people still watching in 2023? I wanted to get some perspective on all this this week, and I'm very happy to be joined by Tyler Doster, TV editor over at Awards Watch. Tyler, thank you so much for joining me to talk about all this.
1: Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk about it.
0: Let's dive in here. So for those not familiar with that Rolling Stone piece that I mentioned, what did it disclose?
1: So the Rolling Stone piece by, uh, Crystal Lee and Dolly, like you said before, was 16 former and current staffers from the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon, who, uh, are reporting that there is an erratic behavior, erratic pattern of behavior on set dealing with their host. Um, also, there have been nine showrunners on this show for over the past decade, which is a clear red flag, including as Jamie Grant Biederman for racially charged comments and racist things said to black people on her set, um, including comments about hair and other things like that. Some of the allegations against Jimmy Fallon are things that have been rumbling around in Hollywood for a while that he could possibly have a drinking issue that has been brought to set. Um, There's some pretty shocking things in the Rolling Stone piece, um, including a moment where they're talking about Fallon redacting a joke and then it seemingly he forgot immediately that he's the one that redacted it um, just from possible inebriation. Uh, The staffers also report that there are what they refer to as good Jimmy days and bad Jimmy days, whereas they think those bad Jimmy days could be coming from hangover days. So they're not quite sure, but these are the allegations that all of these staffers had. And the Rolling Stone piece is quite clear that not one of these staffers was able to really provide a positive experience from being on this show.
0: How did this resonate in the industry?
1: (sighs) Rolling Stone has been dropping some pretty incredible pieces like this recently. Um, and I think when it hit the other day, like I said, I don't know how many people were extremely surprised by the news that this Mm -hmm. kind of behavior was happening on set. Um, even without making judgments just from watching his show or watching clips on possible inebriation while he's working, um, he does seem sometimes out of it. I think that's clear. Sometimes he does seem like he's not sure exactly what's going on, or at least it does to me, and it seemed that way for a while but.
0: And I think that's been sort of part of that image, right? The sort of nice guy, little aloof. We've been in on that image projection that he's had.
1: Absolutely. I think that I think that he really hits home with middle America like he's a really likable person in general when he's and even the staffers in this piece say that when he's on good jimmy days he's so creative and he's exuberant and he's fun to be around because he's someone that just really exerts that charisma and i think that people that watch his show really see that and i think perhaps it would be easy to sweep something like that under the rug if you're just really not looking for it and that kind of behavior could be possibly overlooked from the outside, but of course, the people inside that are going to see it clearly.
0: The allegations are pretty serious. There's, a, as you said, there's a lot of staffers who really are talking about that it's been consequential to their mental health and their, you know, work going forward. Um, what does this mean for him? I mean, Hollywood's been taking bullying and, and things like this much more seriously as of late sort of post Me Too. I've talked about it on the show. There's been books written about it but will there be any consequences do you think what is he going to do will he continue on
1: i think it'll be interesting to see how nbc handles this they're already in a storm dealing with the wga so now they have staffers outright saying 16 people that are all refusing to go on the record they're all needing anonymity for fear of retaliation and i think i hope the NBC sees that for at least something, and I don't. I hope it's not doesn't become an internal investigation that sees no repercussions. Um, the piece was updated by Rolling Stone to include that he did apparently hold a Zoom with his staffers where he apologized for his behavior, um, and even admitted embarrassment for some of it. Not sure. Obviously, once again, can't speculate on the genuine that could be. Um, of course, that's going to be an immediate reaction from anyone to admit that they're embarrassed, etc. Um, I really hope the network takes it seriously enough to at least look into this erraticism if it is caused by a drinking issue. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, well, if of course that does... he
0: gets the help that he needs in that case, and then exactly you know, go on from there. I did see yesterday that they are continuing on with what is called the Strike Force Pod, which is the podcast that he's doing together with the other talk show hosts to, to benefit the striking writers. They're continuing on with that. And there was no mention of this article in that podcast. So at the moment, at least, he's not. they're not doing anything radically different.
1: I'm not exactly surprised by that with all is on that podcast with him. I'm wondering if possibly it's something that was maybe, hey, we're not going to talk about this this time. We've got to kind of regroup, especially if publicists are involved, which they usually are. They probably wanted more time. Um, I am wondering if in the future episodes of the podcast in the next couple, actually, if it is going to be addressed, if his fellow late night hosts are going to say something about it. They even mentioned in this piece a weird... Thing that happened with seinfeld on the jimmy mm-hmm. fallon show where he made him apologize it they couldn't tell if it was a joke or not but he did kind of make him apologize to a cue card holder um so i wonder if that same energy will be brought from other comedians who are on this podcast with him and say like what's going on and do you want to talk about this and i wonder if that's something that's going to be brought up
0: You would feel like someone like John Oliver or Stephen Colbert, they would really sort of want to call this out before going forward. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Also in talk show news this week, Drew Barrymore has come under fire for deciding to restart her afternoon talk show for the season, even though her talk show is under a WGA contract. So this amid the ongoing strikes. How has the industry reacted to this?
1: In full force, the writers are, to put it lightly, pissed. (laughs) Yes. Um, And not just them. (laughs) Uh, SAG members, Bradley Whitfer made a post where he outlined that they will remember that she did this. Um, I don't think, I understand that she seems to be really owning this decision, which is so surprising to me that she's taking so much, just full force into it. She is doubling down on it at every opportunity.
0: Let me ask you, what is the motivation to start up again? Because as you said, she's really saying, this is my decision, I want to start up again.
1: The only thing I've really thought about is, perhaps does she think that, you know, I know obviously the crew has all been affected. And I know that that is really nuanced to think about when the WJ and SAG is striking right now, there's a lot of crew that is dealing with not being able to find work and lots of stuff like that. So it makes me wonder that, But it's also so strange to me that she doesn't say anything about it. She's just saying, we're going to do this. We're going to be under guidelines, quote unquote. Um, We're not going to discuss any struck work. But and there's been pieces about this. And I think multiple people have said this. At some point, there's going to be something that is going to take what a writer was supposed to do. Um, And I don't think there's really any way around that. Um, whether it be some a producer that's on the set that's really not supposed to be a writer whether it's somebody else whether it's Barrymore herself I feel like somebody is going to end up having to do that job so I want to I I do like Drew Barrymore so much so I want to try to find that space for her but it's just seeming very strange and I'm I'm really at a loss of what is really motivating her to take this so seriously to get back
0: She's not only her own writer; she's also a SAG member herself. I would believe being an actor, <clears throat> she really is under fire. She was dropped by a, for a hosting gig by the National Book Awards, which seemed like a very prestigious thing she was going to do. There's been rumors that several actors, like Matthew McConaughey and stars, have pulled out of being on her show these coming weeks. I know that Bill Maher, who's also starting up his show, he wrote and motivated as you were alluding to, I think that there's a lot of other crew members below the line members that work on the show. They've been out of work for five months. We really have to start off again. Then several writers wrote very interesting and good responses about, yeah, are you the one that decides that after five months, we stop this strike, then we've sort of been striking for nothing. So I wonder if she will maybe change her mind or if she will continue on because she seemed very adamant about this or if it's pressure from the network
1: it will certainly be interesting to see with bill moore i'm just not that surprised i find him to be incredibly inflammatory as possible as he can or as many times (laughs) as he can a week um but with her i do i wonder if the constant picketing of her show if that will like trigger um, a different understanding from the writers that maybe she isn't seeing right now, because I feel like that's a real clear sign that they don't like this, that that is actually aggressively going against their campaign right now against the strike. And uh, there's no other way to say it. she's just being labeled as a scab now by quite a few SAG members by WGN members.
0: While we speak, I got variety breaking news here or breaking email drew barrymore's co-writer says it's not too late for barrymore to stand in solidarity with WJ and pause the return of her show it's frustrating because it will prolong the strike and we just wanted to end this came this minute while we were speaking so she really has her own people that are frustrated with this decision because she's so well liked yeah i thought maybe if we could just take a minute to explain um well i've been away at festivals and Lots of my listeners have asked me about what is the interim agreement? Most actors and writers can't do any promotion right now, can't be at any festivals, but then a few of them are actually showing up. Can Maybe we should explain what that means. Why are some people allowed to promote and talk about their projects and why aren't others?
1: Sure. Um, I think this week, uh, Dick's the Musical and the new A24 musical they were granted this interim so i think this will be a perfect example. Um Great. A24 is when these studios when these distributors these production companies when they are actually meeting the needs of sag when they are saying yes we are going to comply with all of these everything you're asking for sag is willing to grant them an interim to promote these films and say that is okay because you as a studio as A24 you are willing to do what we are asking so we're willing to help you out which is grant you these actors these performers their role in the promotion of these kind of films so now those A24 and neon these smaller companies are seemingly the ones getting these interim deals because they are the ones complying whereas it's laughable but not actually funny that the big ones truly can't do the same and that's where the that's where it's clear that there's this imbalance is that these smaller companies are really able to do this without a problem. A24 and Neon have both seemingly been on board with this from the moment it started. They both said, okay, this is fine. We can make this happen. So, But then you see Disney and these others, and they're not willing to do it. When you see that kind of thing, and you're wondering, why is Megan Thee Stallion able to promote her movie, Dix the Mm -hmm. Musical? And then uh, other films are, but you're wondering- Why maybe later this year you're not going to see...
0: Yeah, Zendaya, for example, her film Challengers um, was a studio movie, does not have the interim agreement, so she can't promote. And Zendaya on the red carpet is so beneficial for promotion that the studio pushed the movie from Venice and it'll have its premiere at a later date. Back to TV. Let's talk about late night in general. Irregardless of the strikes, this format feels like it's aged a bit. Viewership is down. Not as many viewers are actually watching at 11, 1230. Many are choosing to watch the viral sketches that they do that seem more popular. And it's still a gang of white dudes behind all those desks. As someone who covers TV as extensively as you, how relevant are the late-night talk shows today?
1: You know, even in the last few years, we've seen, uh, you know, mostly on Jimmy Fallon, we've even seen influencers starting to be on these late-night shows. We've seen um, a kind of decline in star power on some of them, if you will. Uh, And in some cases, you'll see kind of the most random people you've ever seen on these shows. Like you said, there's so many viral clips, and I wonder... How many people are actually tuning in every single night still? I mean, even when I remember being younger, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno was such a big deal. Um, It seemed like everyone watched it. It was massive.
0: You I, had to, to be in touch with what was going on in politics, what had been going on in the news that day. It felt like something, if you wanted to talk to people the next day, you had to stay up and watch that. But it just doesn't feel like that
1: anymore. Absolutely. And I'm sure social media, how quickly we received posts on Twitter. And... You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes. And luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. information into bite-sized clips one to two minutes and you've got a full thing and people are doing that with these clips of the late night shows as well where people realize i don't have to watch this entire thing to see the things i like i can watch the interviews with my favorite celebrity or i can watch the little segments that i like and not have to worry about if i don't like the monologue or even if people in different parts of the country don't want to hear anything about politics they don't have to tune in for that um, if they're just watching an interview with someone they'd like and I think that's really changed I'm sure having YouTube has really affected how the writers in these rooms go about their day and I'm sure it has to weigh heavily on the host minds as well
0: yeah also in terms of the TV landscape in general broadcast and streaming people aren't watching broadcast as much Do you also see that people would like more diverse hosts and and Things haven't changed a lot for the past decades in terms of um, what talk shows look like format and host wise.
1: Yeah. It's seemingly, there's not a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity is what I will say in a Mm -hmm. mini facets of this late night sphere we're in now. Like you said, it's a bunch of white guys just telling us about the same stuff. um, All making similar jokes. And I think that, I do think people might be a little bit more interested if we could get a little more diversity. Like, I would love to see, you know, late night with women, women of color, trans people, queer people. Um, I think that heterosexual, cisgender white dudes have... They've had their time. It's okay. Um, <laughs> they've had a few
0: years behind the desk. They've had
1: right? just a couple of years, just a couple of years. We w- Women were in charge fully historically, of course. And they said, we'll give you guys just a couple of years, but they flubbed it. So we got <laughs> to give it back. <laughs> no, I think really men in a general sense, I think that people are starting to see that there's so much out there that could be seen. And there's so many different people that view the world differently. And that is an opportunity for us to see ourselves differently and to also laugh at different things, see pop culture in different ways, see politics in different ways. And I think that this, the United States could greatly, greatly be influenced and be appreciated if, or appreciate if they could get a, at least a couple of hosts that could start changing that late night sphere.
0: And I also think the format might need to be changed up a bit. Um, younger generation, you know, the type of comedy that they're looking at maybe is not monologue desk um, format that's been used for for decades now that I think that's why the viral bits, when they do succeed, that's what people are watching. But we'll see. There's a lot going on in talk shows. There's a lot going on in TV in terms of the strikes. I mean, it seems it's kind of a dark period <laughs> for both you and I who cover this um, <clears> to see what will actually happen. But uh, thank you so much. I hope to call on you again, Tyler, to see uh, what happens in this area. And we have a really weird Emmys year coming up, which I know that you're working on a lot. Thank you so much for coming.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Christina. It's always a pleasure.
0: Please tell the listeners where they can read your work and find you.
1: Um, I'm on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it, um, (laughs) at Tyler M. Doster. Uh, And you can find all my work as Uh, as tv editor on awardswatch.com
0: thank you so much thank you you've got questions we've got answers business leadership ownership and sales can be challenging tune into the accelerate your business growth podcast to learn from the world's experts join me your host diane helbig as i chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business